Let me pull open the old Epibab. The what? What are you pulling open? <laughs> uh, got this here, and then pull my mic over. Hey, Mike. Hey, Mike. Give him a give him a tug for me. <laughs> All right. Shall we get? Uh, let's do it. Let's do the Ava. Yeah, we have. I believe we have some visitors. Oh, from another world. The we world have of some Sweden. Visitors. Welcome to Welcome Think, to outside, Think outside, outside the, the Box, box set. set. It's a podcast. Where we listen to an artist's back catalog. And I'm Nathan And learn Hunt. to appreciate it, maybe. And we learn to appreciate and I'm, it. <laughs> and I'm Cameron DeWitt. And we learn to appreciate it. And Cameron, did we learn to appreciate ABBA? You know, I always have high hopes. Well, not always. But <laughs> not usually always. at the beginning of a season when we choose a new artist uh, to listen to their entire back catalog, I, I hope that I will become a fan. Because I like liking things. And I like being really enthusiastic about things. And I had high hopes for ABBA, probably among the highest of any of our um, any of our artists. But, as but. usual, it's pretty mixed, but maybe more positive than some. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like we shouldn't give them short shrift. Like, they were definitely better than... Were they the best artists we've listened to, do you think? Well, I don't know if I liked, I don't like, I don't know if I liked any ABBA album as much as I liked Jagged Little Pill. Ah, that's a very interesting comparison to make. Yeah. Although, I mean, ABBA is also the oldest band we've listened to and the kind of music they play, I think it's safe to say is less album oriented than a lot of the other acts that we've uh, listened to. Um, so it's I feel like it's a hard comparison to make. Yeah, but that's what we're here to do, you know, is talk about albums. That's why we we listen to studio albums it's, as as an as an art form. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's our fault, really. Yep. So, <laughs> I liked I I feel like I liked the first half of this uh last album, The Visitors, um really well, and there's a lot of really exciting stuff, and then I got kind of bored in the second half. Yeah, does anything happen in the second half? Did you besides <laughs> a couple of bonkers things? Um I'll have I have to, re- to it, I guess. Let's see. I actually I liked Should I Laugh or Cry quite a bit. Hmm. Um that's the very last song, and I think that one's pretty good. But everything else is... Wait, wait, wait. Should I laugh or should I cry? Yeah. Oh. I thought the last one was like an angel passing through my room. Mm, should I laugh or should I cry is definitely in there, right? I think that might be a bonus track. Oh, no. Well, let's look it up. Should I stay or should I cry? Yeah. Okay. That, uh... Oh, shit. So there's only nine songs? Yeah. Should I laugh or should I cry is the first bonus track from the 1997 CD edition. Damn it. Huh. I should have listened to it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it was just too apathetic. I didn't, I didn't like any of the music enough to take any um, sound samples, but I thought it was an interesting song. Uh, mm. it's, it's sort of the like most um, intense version of the writer-singer relationship in ABBA, I think. Oh, 
Hmm. Yeah, big time. Well, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, maybe we can talk about it. But yeah, uh, so then I guess no. I'm not <laughs> I don't think anything in the second half. Mhm. Yeah, so this album was Oh, one, one of us mm-hmm. one of us is interesting. Uh, I think show, it's you. Okay. Honestly, if I'm being honest <laughs> I didn't with myself. Want to say. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, this is apparently one of the first records ever to be recorded and mixed digitally. And the first in history to be pressed I on the new that. CD format. That's crazy. I didn't know the CDs were that old. Oh, yeah. Like early 80s. I had no idea. Yeah. They were ultra expensive, I, though, for the first couple of years. Huh. Yeah, I um, I read something about um, they had to kind of dirty the tracks back up a little bit because it just sounded too clean doing hmm, digital. Interesting. Yeah, I don't necessarily know how they like did that. Like when they that, apply but. like artificial film grain to digital cool. shot um, TV or movies? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So when, um, when ABBA released this album, it was about a month after the second uh, couple uh, announced their divorce. Mm-hmm. But they had been separated for a little bit longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of people talk about this album like it's the very mature and sort of darker themed album. And I think a lot of it is. Yeah. But there's a fair amount of it that's, you know, just regular old boring ABBA album filler (laughs) ABBA. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the generally the idea I have of ABBA now is that they have some amazing singles and some real standout songs, but they definitely have a lot of like filler on their albums. And yeah. probably a lot of that is just the music industry at the time had a lot of pressure on artists to release albums constantly. Yeah. Like they released an album or two every year since like what the mid seventies. Yeah. They didn't have a long career. Yeah. They weren't around for that I mean, long as a band. Yeah. And like these days people are more, you know, expected to release an album every what, two, three, four years, sometimes more. Yeah. So I think in that way, the pressures on ABBA are a lot different than on someone like Alanis Morissette. Um, and this album is definitely similar where there is quite a bit of filler. Um, there are some standout songs, um, but I don't feel like any of these really measures up to like one of their best songs overall. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, honestly, it almost sounds like someone on their deathbed recording an album or writing an album. A lot of it just feels like very final, like they know the end is there and this is like their send off. And did you think that added to it or took away from it? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I, I don't think it suits ABBA particularly well. Let's put it that way. I think they're better as an upbeat band. Um, and I've don't think I've really liked any of their slower songs. Gotcha. Yeah. I can't think of one. And uh, I think, I think they're best when they have like bright poppy upbeat music and then lyrics that are more interesting than you might think at first glance. Yeah. Or sometimes not that interesting, but still the music fucking rules. Yep. <laughs> That's fine too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to dig into some of these songs? Sure. What do you want to talk about first? You choose you choose the first song this time. Oh god. Um let's see. Let's talk about two for the price of one as the most ridiculous okay. song. <laughs> <laughs> this is my- 
This song is completely bananas. Yeah, so this is a... Well, this uh, Genius Lyrics um, contributor, I think, summed it up pretty pretty well. Two for the Price of One is a fairly forgettable gag track on the otherwise mature The Visitors. (laughs) The song describes the story of a man who entertains the fantasy of entering a menage a trois with two beautiful women only to discover that one of the women is the mother of the other. So it's really kinky. It is quite unclear why the mother and daughter are advertising themselves in the personal ads. <laughs> I think it's pretty That's clear. From, uh, genius contributor uh, Grenadilla Goat. I th- I think it's pretty clear. I think they're playing dumb for maybe for comedic effect. Um, yeah. I think it's like an old tired comedy trope about how you know when you get married and you get the old ball and chain shackled on you it comes with the mother-in-law you never just get yeah, the but wife. they save that joke for the very 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 end yeah um yeah so most of it is just this dude just super horny for these two ladies yeah it's kind of like the pina colada song but much stupider <laughs> yeah <laughs> i actually really like that song yeah musically or lyrically yeah. i don't mind it musically have I talked before about my, um, I probably have, about my, like, very eccentric, um, like, 10th grader um, piano student who only wanted to learn um, weird songs, including uh, the Pina Colada song? <laughs> I probably Maybe. talked about it on Maybe. the show before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, I was like, what do you want to do for your challenge piece this year? And he's like, escape. I was like, escape? He's like, yeah, escape. The Pina Colada song. Like he knew it by like the actual name of the song. Well, I think the Pina Colada song is literally in like parentheses in the title. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So referring to it as just escape is like a little bit. He, uh, he's contrived. talking as if he's just like a super fan. Basically. That's like when people are, are feel like they're on the first name basis with famous celebrities. Like I was just It's exactly like yeah. that. That's why he's so weird. Yeah, I just saw like some review. I love you, Sam, if you're listening. <laughs> or some like forums where people were talking about like David Lynch and Stephen King and they were like, Yeah, David and Stephen like really understand like the true horror of the mundane. <laughs> and I was like, Really? <laughs> oh Jesus. Yeah. So he's on a first name basis with that song, huh? Yeah. Anyway, um I don't think this is a very good song, although I really <laughs> like the chorus. It's a pretty good chorus. It's it's really catchy. That you just heard it in the sound sample. The verses are really choppy and weird. And um, <laughs> do you have a sound sample? What? Uh, I don't know if Ooh, I have, have a sound sample. I don't know if of I have that two sound particular. samples. Um, one that I want to point out is from the verse, and it is a moment when. <laughs> so he called the number, and a voice said, "Alice Whiting." And the voice that says Alice Whiting is definitely, like, one of the ABBA boys. Like, it's not... Really? I think so. It's oh, not one, no. of the, one of the women. <laughs> and, uh, and then it's followed... <laughs> You'll just have to listen to the sound sample. It, it's pretty funny. Okay. Oh, it does sound like The voice was husky and it sounded quite exciting. <laughs> From a metatextual yeah. level, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's talking about a dude's voice? 
yeah, presumably his own voice. <laughs> like, because they went through the trouble to make it sound like it was from a phone call. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> it's just a, a funny moment. <laughs> He's doing his best impression of a husky, of, of a husky sensual woman's voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just his own voice. Anyway. It sounds very... I like... Um, like uh, Monty Python or something, very like British uh, speaking, comedy. S- speaking of Monty Python, um, there's a very like over the top. Um, when the punchline happens, there's a very over the top, over the top musical moment that comes out of nowhere. Um, do you want to play that as well? Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> it's a marching, yeah. It's like a marching band version. It's a big of rim shot, sort yeah. of. It's uh, basically like a wow, 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 wow. But it lasts for the rest of the song. Yes, basically. There it is. Thank you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So <laughs> this song is completely insane, and it's just one <laughs> long extended joke about how. You never just get the lady. You also get her mom. Because old yep. women, right? Yeah. Right. Yep. So. I do think it's really weird that, um, yeah, that the mom wants to be in this menage a trois, though. <laughs> Don't kink shame. <laughs> Don't mom shame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. You choose the next song. Okay, um, another, I mean, let's not do just another, like, gross song or bad <laughs> How many one. more I gross th- songs are there and bad ones? I mean, there's, there's a, there's a number of them. Um, yeah. let's talk about The Visitors. Not my favorite song, but I think a little more interesting. All right. This is fun. Yeah. This is like Talking Heads light. It's very new wave. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I do feel like the Talking Heads could have handled these lyrics a bit better, too. I, I made the... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say it's like all about paranoia. and Yeah. Uh, and potentially like uh, agoraphobia. Right. I made the mistake of reading a genius annotation. That um, is a mistake. Right away that that um suggests that this is uh about, you know, state police in communist countries. Well, we should first talk about what the what the song is about and what the lyrics say. All right. So, yeah, it's a song about someone sort of being stuck in their house and they hear the doorbell ringing and they don't know who it is and they don't want to go answer. They don't know if it's one of their friends or someone more menacing. Um, yeah. And then there's a kind of, I don't necessarily know what this third verse is about. These walls have witnessed all the anguish of humiliation and seen the hope of freedom glow in shining faces. And now they've come to take me, come to break me. And yet it isn't expect unexpected. unexpected yeah. I have been waiting for these visitors. Help me. Yeah. So, so that that is the part that like makes 
would make one think that it could be like a political thing of like right. the, the secret police cracking down on the dissidents and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause ABBA is so subversive. <laughs> <laughs> it's cause of that song on their last album about, uh, keep on rocking baby or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> they, they talked about the issues too eloquently and it was too funky. Yeah. Yeah. So, what is this song supposed to be? Is it literally just like a um, sort of oblique song about uh, state police cracking down on dissidents? Or is it some kind of metaphor? Because it feels like it should be a metaphor of some kind, but they don't give us anything to really go off of. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's <laughs> like it's anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of these a lot of these songs they kind of remind me of like a, an ICP song, which is like, hmm. I want to try writing a song about this. I don't really have anything to say about it, but I think it would be fun yeah. to just sort of, it's sort of like they're, they're builders as opposed to writers. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like they want to build a music theater song. They want to build a, uh, a talking head song, you know, or that they, mm-hmm. they want to, they want to build a disco song. And sometimes they, I feel like they're really writing, but a lot of the other times it's just like they're following a blueprint and then they're just sort of building it as opposed to writing it. Mm-hmm. So, and I uh, don't especially like that very often mm-hmm. from ABBA. Yeah. Yeah. Hard to disagree with that. Yep. Yeah. It's very much like, uh, a, a- uh, like getting really excited about like an idea or something or it's almost it's almost like a um a cousin to doing a cover song where it's like right yeah i just got really excited about this idea or this song and i want it i want to do it but they don't really add anything or do anything new to it or with it yeah totally yeah it's funny you know because uh in old time music that is the main way to interact with the music um one of the a guest on my show aaron marshall um, once said that old time music is like, um, uh, family recipes hmm. and it's, uh, sort of sharing. So it's, you have a recipe for a tune, you know, mm-hmm. which is an interpretation of the tune. And then you sort of play with it to make it, you know, as spicy as you want it or whatever. You That's know. a spicy meatball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, um, you know, change it for, uh, different audiences or whatever, you know, but, um, that that kind of thing can work really well, but yeah, they're not <laughs> in in the context of pop music. That's not what you're supposed to do. Mm. <laughs> well, I think. I mean, that it may be very literally what you're supposed to do to make money, but um, I, I don't really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So that's the visitors. That's what they decided to name this album after for some reason. Yeah, it. I think it should have been when all is said and done. It probably would have been a better title for the album because that's the best song on the album. But I think is a little bit on the nose for their last album, though. I I don't care about something being on the nose necessarily. <laughs> really, <laughs> I think it's better than the visitors. Yeah, that is a yeah. It's weird to name the album after this particular song. They should have named it two for the price of one, <laughs> and then that could have been a deal as well for the album. Yeah, you could get another album that's the two copies, better. <laughs> just two of the same copy. <laughs> It's a double album, but not in the way you usually think of that term. <laughs> yeah. Now, now you say something. Now you choose one. Ah, shit. Um, 
All right, let's talk about soldiers. I'm choosing all the weird and dumb and bad ones. <laughs> hey. If I was convinced that that meant anything, I would really like that. Yeah. So the, I think it's a really catchy chorus. The chorus goes, soldiers write the songs that soldiers sing, the songs that you and I don't sing. They blow their horns and march along. They drum their drums and look so strong. You'd think that nothing in the world was wrong. Soldiers write the songs that soldiers sing. Blah, blah, blah. Let's not look the other way. Let, taking a chance, because if the bugler starts to play, we too must dance. Is that a call to be a soldier? Uh, I think it's like a respect the troops thing. They fight for our freedoms so we don't have to. That's what the song is about? I think so. I think that's oh, what they're man. getting at. I know, isn't it? Awful. Especially in in this age, like, <laughs> you know, post-Vietnam, like, uh-huh. in the Cold War, you know, like, just, what are you doing? <laughs> that is a great question. I was uh, talking to my, my host, um, Clint Dylan O'Grady from the band... Uh, Cat and Clint, uh, Australian old-time band. Everyone should Shout look them out. up. They're yeah. fantastic old-time musicians, and they have a. Uh, they recorded their uh, new album on the an- all analog, right to vinyl. So everyone should Ooh. check that out, or at least get the you know digital copies because it's still going to sound different, mm-hmm. you know, for the analog process. Anyway, he was he was saying that um, Australia, the only time they've ever done a draft was in Vietnam. But even in World War One and Two, like they tried to get the draft going, but it was like voted down both hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, they did one draft and it was for Vietnam, and everyone there's like a huge backlash, and a lot of people just like dodged. Um, so yeah, hard to blame them. Uh, but I remember hearing that uh, last night and thinking, um, oh man, that's so. In comparison, that's so great. Mm. <laughs> Just the idea of like only having one draft and like <laughs> having a generally not very warlike people. I mean, they hop on all the American wars and stuff. But yeah, uh, they got pretty into like the Iraq war and Afghanistan war and stuff, didn't they? I think so. Yeah, they're the real they're the real uh, problematic ones here. Yeah, what the fuck, Australia? Yeah, what the fuck, Australia? <laughs> Why can't you be more like America and never get involved in any wars? Hmm. Yeah. Soldiers. Um, yeah. Why Why is this song? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you just told me, but I don't really appreciate that. No, but I said, well, but why is it? <laughs> I didn't say, what is it? Why? Someone's got to stand up for the troops. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Have you seen, have you seen Bojack Horseman at all? No, I haven't. The, the most recent seasons have been a little bit hit or miss for me, at least. I don't know. Um, but the first season, one of the very early episodes, it's like episode two or three, maybe there's this whole extended episode where Bojack gets into a verbal fight with a, with a, uh, either a veteran or an active duty, like, uh, military guy. And he is trying to make some nuanced points about like, I'm not saying that some of the troops aren't heroes, but just because you are a troop doesn't automatically make you a hero. And yeah. then all the newscaster people are like, Bojack hates the troops. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, especially in light of that 
recent episode of Seen on Radio, the Warriors episode in the series Men. Yeah, um, highly recommended. Really galvanized my ideas about like, um, yeah, it's the the propaganda, you know, and to like equate manliness with um, your ability to do war and to do war well and to succeed in war, um, as if war is a sort of uh, a thing that you can really do well yeah you know, and it's like super necessary and yeah um so yeah uh i've really appreciated um kind of recent rhetoric for talking about war which is talking about the warrior class in america um mm-hmm. which is this idea that At west like, point people they're doing their book learning yeah the warrior class <laughs> warrior 101 <laughs> Uh, that's um, one of the dumbest jokes I've ever made. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, classes in um, socioeconomic um, and social. Yeah, like a caste um, system almost. Yeah, a caste system. And that's kind of what we have. I mean, people of all different socioeconomic statuses join war, but um, often it's uh, the people who enlist are um, people who have economic need. And right. uh, it's like, I've, you know, they I know get a, a lot deal of people, they can't refuse. Yeah. I know a lot of people who only join up because that's literally the only way they can see of paying for college, for instance. Yeah. Like it's hard to get jobs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's like, too. Hey, we have so many jobs, even music jobs. You know, I've had friends who've joined up just so that they can be in the military band or whatever, you know, but it's just like, yeah, this is a, this is a gig. It's always available. There's always, uh, ostensibly, uh, a demand. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> we someone's may- making sure that there's always a demand. Yeah. Our society is making sure of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sort of fabricated demand, but so anyway, soldiers, soldiers, uh, thanks ABBA for, um, <laughs> advocating for, uh, the war makers. Yeah. Thank God somebody's, uh, standing up for them. Yeah. So weird. It's a very strange thing. Like, I was not expecting that from them. Yeah, especially because the verses are so weird. Do I hear what I think I'm hearing? Do I see the signs I think I see? Or is this just a fantasy? Oh, that's a fun little rhyme. Is it true that the beast is waking, stirring in his restless sleep tonight in the pale moonlight? Are they going to war against the devil? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's very weird. In the grip of this cold December, you and I have reason to remember. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. That like Robert Frost-esque, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> rhyme scheme there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, mm-hmm. you chose that one, right? Yeah, your turn. Can we talk about... Ugh. <laughs> so many of these i'm so uninterested in yeah it's true Me let's too. talk about one of us i don't have a lot of audio uh samples uh, from it but i think it's an interesting song you or me let's talk about one of us let's talk about okay. you or me <laughs> <laughs> This is a song written by Benny and Bjorn for um, the women to sing. Yeah. Uh, Annie Fried and Anietta. Um So keep that in mind when I describe the song. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, 
Um, do you know which which woman is singing in this? I can look it up. I don't have it up. <laughs> okay, that was a little personal. Um, that is number six. Anyeta lead vocals. Okay, so Anyeta is um singing in the song about how she missed a lot of romantic opportunities because she was in a relationship um, <laughs> with uh, whichever one she was in a relationship with. <laughs> yeah, I forget. Yeah. Um, they, they passed me by all of those great romances. You were, I felt, robbing me of my rightful chances. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> I saw myself as a concealed attraction, felt you kept me away from the heat and the action. Just uh, And then this line, just like a child, stubborn and misconceiving. So there's a lot of self-deprecating lines that um, Benny and Bjorn wrote for Anietta to sing. Ostensibly uh-huh. about herself, and she's saying them. Um, yep. And then the chorus is basically... Um, uh, I'm sorry that I was such a shithead <laughs> in our relationship and I, and I didn't appreciate what I had. Yeah. I don't like that very much. No, this is really weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a weird energy. Uh, yeah. One of my like kind of least comfortable feelings that I consistently have is being around a couple and being around couples conflict, even if it's healthy conflict, I just don't want to be around it. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this whole, I mean, yeah, this whole season has just been the epitome of that. Yeah. They're like kind of keeping it under wraps, but then they're also like writing songs for the women to sing that are just like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like, it's like they're ordering the women to like prostrate. I must hit. I almost said prostate, prostate themselves. Call back yeah. to uh, whatever that band was. Um, yeah, to prostrate themselves for the benefit of the men. And I'm not too into that. Yeah, I mean, from the quotes that I've heard from Anifried and Anietta, it seems like they didn't necessarily mind. They're like, yeah, it's just like a fun singing gig, you know? Like, <laughs> and they didn't resent the men for it, um, which is... I do. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they're kind of shitheads. Yes. <clears throat> um, anything else going on in this song we should talk about? Um, yeah, it's... Oh, man, these last lines of the chorus. One of us is lonely. One of us is only waiting for a call. Sorry for oh, herself. No. Feeling stupid. Feeling small. Wishing she had never left at all. Dear oh, Lord. Oh, my God. This is like the ultimate like wish fulfillment, like ego tripping song about how like... Yeah, I'm going to write her a song and then she she's going to realize that she she wished she didn't break up with me. Yeah. And she'll have uh, to sing it. As Tignotaro has said in her comedy, uh it is okay to think th- uh, it is okay to say that. Is it okay it is okay to think that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. That was a uh that was a joke about uh an actual story that happened to her when <laughs> Uh, a passerby turned around and said, ah, them's little titties. What? I thought she was a man. <laughs> Whoa. And Tig, Tig notoriously, uh, not notoriously, but she... It's pronounced um, Natara, notably, 
okay. She, uh, she had breast cancer and had to have a, I believe it's called a double mastectomy. Um, mastectomy. <laughs> mastectomy. Oops. That's <laughs> where you get all your, take all the masa flour out of your house. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Bjorn, Benny, I hope you've grown up since then. Yeah, God, I hope so. All right. Um, did you choose that one? Do I have to choose the next one? Yeah, you choose the next one. Um, let's do slipping through my fingers. All right. So once again, I can confirm that as a dad, I get these songs, these sentimental songs about children growing up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I understand them a little more. I, they, they're still not great, usually. Oh. <laughs> like, I th- I think, like, I don't really, I don't know. I'm just, am I a monster or something for not enjoying yeah. these sentimental songs? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> All right, great. <laughs> funny you know what you are you didn't like this no I don't did you it's a little bit sentimental but uh i don't hate it i think it's elevated just, a little bit by how bleak the lyrics are <laughs> that's a funny if she are you hearing yourself <laughs> well yeah because i have the monitor going because i have the the headphones right. i'm like echoing the the michael but it's it's honestly a little bit difficult because there's like a tiny little bit of delay before i hear <laughs> the monitor of myself so it doesn't make it easy so i hope you you know, appreciate that I'm persevering through that. Um, what were you're we talking really about? hearing yourself through the monitor? <laughs> yeah, man, that's a weird. Why do you do that? Because it's a it's a good way to make sure you're getting good sound. All right. Like if I if I um, am talking too far away from the mic, or for instance, I can hear that. Or if I'm like making some of these mouth smacking lip noises that I that I hate <laughs> so well, I can try to stop myself from doing that. Man, maybe I should listen to myself through the monitor because I am constantly hearing in when I listen back to the show just terrible mouth noises from myself. <laughs> I think it can All right, help. talk about yeah. talk about how much you love this song. <laughs> it's the best song you, I've ever heard. Be sentimental. That that's me. I'm so sentimental. Um yeah. I don't know. The first verse, let me just read the entire thing. School bag in hand, she leaves home in the early morning, waving goodbye with an absent-minded smile. I watch her go with a surge of that well-known sadness, and I have to sit down for a while. Like, Jesus Christ, it's pretty That's a pretty good line. I have to sit down for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Pre-chorus is fine, I guess. It's a little bit more, like, fleshes the song out in ways that are not super interesting. Um... But the chorus goes, slipping through my fingers all the time. I try to capture every minute, the feeling in it, slipping through my fingers all the time. Do I really see what's in her mind? Every, each time I think I'm close to knowing she keeps, no, this isn't good. They changed the chorus. Where is it? There were some lyrics that I liked better. Where'd they go? Oh, the pre-chorus number two. What happened to the wonderful adventures, the places I had planned for us to go, slipping through my fingers all the time? Well, some of what we, some of that we did, but most we didn't. And why? I just don't know. I feel like that, that's pretty bleak. Yeah, that, that's it's bleak, and it also is um, very relatable. It's something that mm. people who even aren't parents feel of just like, God damn, life is just slipping away, and I'm not doing all these things I had thought of or wanted to do, or right. you know, I never 
made that trip to the Grand Canyon that I had always talked about or thought about, you know, that kind of thing. And I I, I appreciate that. It's better than just pure sentimental nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. But there's definitely some. I think think it is better. It's not like a Garf song. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like mom. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that song. That song's so remember bad. That song? Little baby toe God. <laughs> I remember that line more than I remember anything else about that song, including its title. <laughs> such a forgettable, dumb, idiotic song. But yeah. such a great opening line. <laughs> I still follow uh, Garth on Facebook. Really? Like every once in a while, he like posts like live videos. They're boring, but it's just like kind of charming to see him. <laughs> kind of charming how boring he is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have some things that I do like about this song. Um, yeah. There, I like the chorus um, rhyme scheme. Slipping through my fingers all the time. I try to capture every minute the feeling in it. Slipping through my fingers all the time. Yeah. Do I really see what's in her mind? Each time I think I'm close to knowing, she keeps on growing, slipping through my fingers all the time. That, uh, oh my God, <gasps> Nathan, what? What? that's an ABBA what? rhyme scheme. <laughs> what? Oh, that's an ABBA, ABBA rhyme, rhyme scheme. scheme. <laughs> we found it. We finally found it. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I don't know if that technically counts because the, uh, the A's in that rhyme scheme um, are the same. But, Not you know, the in the second rhyme. half of the chorus. Mind rhymed with time. Yep. There it is. Yeah. They finally did it. They <laughs> now saved we it can the be last done album. with ABBA. Yeah. <laughs> we'll finally file them away in uh, the do box. You wanna, do you want to play that, uh, that chorus um, so we can hear it? I want to. The rhythmic delivery is pretty good there, too. Mm-hmm. And the, the harmonies are really sweet. Um, but my favorite part in the song is really interesting um, harmonies in uh, the second verse. Um, a, supposedly, it's supposed to be the mom and daughter, I think. Doing like, the harmonies? Is what they're, yeah, what they're going for, I think. Because oh. it's sleep in our eyes, her and me at the breakfast table, barely awake, I let pressure. Yeah, they're going to sing it anyway, but it's, it seems like it's a the first part is sort of them both singing. Um, but the the harmonies are a little more interesting than you typically hear. They're not totally parallel, um, and they kind of land on the fourths and fifths. I think more than they land on the uh, thirds, hmm. if I remember right. So mm-hmm. play it again, and I might correct Let's myself. Take a listen. There's something about oh. that that sounds kind of like childlike in the delivery. It's not thirds and fourths. It's the um, it's a third below it. Um, and uh, I think the note that really that really pops is sleep in our eyes um, because uh, they they sing sleep sleep in our eyes. So it goes to that um, that minor chord, and it's really pretty. Um, you want to play that again? Yeah, at least the first part. Yeah. 
it's a very bittersweet sound. That that sound is pr- often used to have a bittersweet feeling. The the minor six um, note in the in the minor four chord resolving to a major chord is a really um, sort of like a a sentimental melancholy sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think they use it well there. Yeah. Yeah. Nice harmonies. Yeah. Def- definitely different different than your typical ABBA harmony, I think. What do they typically do? Um well, the chord progressions usually don't do that. Um but I feel like I have to go back and listen to, you know, all of the music, which I won't, but I feel like usually <laughs> the harmony the I feel like usually the female harmony is on top. Um but in this one, uh-huh. it is below. Uh-huh. So it's both women singing in low voices and the harmony is voiced underneath the melody. Um and I think it sounds different because of that. Mhm. Yeah, sounds good. Well, um, I don't know if I have anything else to say about this song. Do you want to talk uh, just play um uh, the uh, Danny Elfman song? <laughs> Danny oh. Elfman got a track on this one. <laughs> yes, he did. Uh, I don't have a lot to s- say about it other than it's kind of dumb. So that's a little more like Phantom of the Opera, but most of the song kind of sounds like, um, you want to play that sound sample? Yes. <laughs> like this. Oh, it's so bad. That like woozy chromatic uh, walk down. Oh. The like waltz time too. Yeah. yeah. I am... Only interested in hearing that in um, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I am done with that aesthetic. <laughs> Did you know that um, Danny Elfman was in Oingo Boingo? Uh, yes. I don't know any of Oingo Boingo's music, but at a certain point when I decided that I was into Danny Elfman's music, uh, I looked into him and found out that he had a band. Ah. You knew about the band first? No, I knew about the band second, but he does have a pretty cool song called um, Dead Man's Party mm. that I like quite a bit. And it sounds, that sounds familiar to yeah, me. You might, you might know it. It's a, no, I'm just thinking of ICP. Obviously. Oh, yes. Or The Nightmare Before Christmas. Dead guys. Yep. Dead guys everywhere. Yeah. Zombie slide. <laughs> the monster mash. <laughs> There's this meme going around that it's like, uh, uh, the format is, you know, um, stage, uh, stage play dialogue. And it's like, you know, father Dracula saying to his son, son, um, when two monsters love each other very much and the son interrupts and says, they do the mash and he, <laughs> father nods. That's right. They do the monster mash. <laughs> <laughs> they do the graveyard smash <laughs> mm, smash yeah um is there anything to say about this song except the the weird dumb danny elfman music no i just wanted to point out another dumb song in this album that i don't okay so there's some <sighs> lyrics that are frustrating mm. the very first lyrics are i'm hearing images 
I'm seeing songs oh, no synesthesia. poet has ever painted. <laughs> wow. It's just like um what's that Garf song where he's like the red the red strokes. Oh god. Oh, the red uh, strokes. Yikes. <laughs> I just real I just remembered again how awful it is that he uses the 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 word strokes in that song when it's a dumb like parents metaphor talking about sex. It's fucking uh. gross, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, mm-hmm. there's a lot of callbacks in this episode. Yeah, lots of Garf, Garf callbacks. Talk. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad Abiquit okay, when they we... did, they would have totally turned into Garf. <laughs> is it time to talk about when all said and done? Sure. I I think that this is the best song. I I really like the music of this song. I think it's really catchy, and I think the melodies are really pretty. Um, There's some so pretty it's words, my, too. Yeah, and the lyrics, I think, are they're pretty straightforward, um, but there's some, like, subtle poetic moments. Um, I'm just going to look at some of these real quick. Uh, here's to us. One more toast, and then we'll pay the bill. That's great. Yes. Because, <laughs> obviously, they're talking about, like, a, sp- a specific literal setting of like having a toast at a restaurant and then paying the bill, but they're also talking about the relationship ending. Mm-hmm. Um, deep inside, both of us can feel the autumn chill. Um, birds of passage, you and me, we fly instinctively when the summer's over and the dark clouds hide the sun. Neither you nor I'm to blame when all is said and done. That's great. Yeah. That's a great verse. That might be my favorite ABBA verse. I really like verse two, actually. It goes, in our lives, we have walked some strange and lonely treks, slightly worn, but dignified and not too old for sex. We're still striving for this guy, got taste for humble pie. Thanks for all your generous love and thanks for all the fun. Neither you nor I'm to blame when all is said and done. Yeah. Okay. It's stronger. That's so sweet. Yeah. It's stronger in the <laughs> yeah. first half. The second half of that verse is not as great, but um, yeah, I really like the, the opening lines. Slightly worn, but dignified and not too old for sex. That's yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, it's re- and it's really nice that they're not usually they're very coded about sex and I like that they're just like it gives the impression of like hey we've grown a lot you know yeah <laughs> learned a lot about ourselves just like the ability to just se- use the word sex <laughs> yeah perhaps the yeah. true ABBA was the divorce we made along the way <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um yeah I'm just going to read the whole third verse, too, because I think it's good. Uh, It's so strange when you're down and lying on the floor, how you rise, shake your head, get up and ask for more, clear-headed and open-eyed with nothing left untried, standing calmly at the crossroads, no desire to run. There's no hurry anymore when all is said and done. That's a little bit more, I don't exactly know what they're going for there, but... It's a little bit more um, obscure, like poetic not quite as successful yeah. but still kind of interesting yeah i just like really like the song it made me feel some cathartic feelings about being done with abba and it was like very hopeful and positive and uh yeah i just really enjoyed it um and then there's some really fun musical moments um so the verses there's not really a chorus in in this song it's no. just verses yeah um there's some repeated lines um but uh it's just verse verse interlude verse 
And um, the I have here the um, third, fourth, and fifth phrase of uh, of when all said and done. Um, I think it's probably the first verse. Um, and the reason I like this is this is another um, odd amount of phrase lengths. Mm-hmm. So in this song, it's groups of five phrases. Um, and what they do, and this is actually a pretty common ABBA trick, but I think it really uh, is effective here, is they have three lines. And then you think that the next line is going to be the last line mm-hmm. that's going to um, finish up the quatrain. But instead, they start a new couplet. So so the first two lines of this verse, I wanted to make it not too long, the sound sample. Mm-hmm. But the first two lines are, here's to us, one more toast, and then we'll pay the bill. Deep inside, both of us can feel the autumn chill. Um, birds of passage, you and me, we fly instinctively. You think that the next line is going to rhyme with instinctively. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, uh, it starts a new rhyme scheme, a new couplet. So, go ahead. And then you think it's going to end here, but it doesn't. When the summer's over and the dark clouds hide the sun, neither you nor I'm when I said Yeah, that's interesting. You could almost think of it as like a single line chorus, but that rhymes with the yeah. last line of the uh, verse or something. I, I, I would think sense. of it more like a the like those last two lines are the chorus. Um, cause they clearly go together. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. So they, the combination of it being really musically good and that last line being so pretty, like it's really gorgeous harmonies, like the way it builds up in that choral kind of way. Um, the combination of that and the, the way that it, um, the form is interesting and that it like, cuts short the quatrain and then starts a new thing i think is really cool so mm-hmm. uh yeah that's why i like it and i really like the the dukadeka, dukadeka, dukadeka in the background mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's really energetic and fun yeah so. it's it's one of their like upbeat songs on this album and i do really appreciate that about it yeah it's double time instrumental with kind of medium tempo slower uh vocals yeah, was it an ABBA song that you were talking about where it was like a it was like a medium tempo song that was very full of energy? Was that ABBA? Uh, I don't remember. It might have been a T Pain song. It's something you said fairly recently, though. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, the other thing uh, I like is um, the the sub bass in the interlude that goes, I believe, into the third verse, um, and. I didn't grab enough of it in the sound sample, but there's some like vocoder in it. <laughs> it's it's on the bass? No, like in the verse that follows the oh, sub bass. Oh, I see. Yeah. I just got incepted, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I am. My father accepts me. <laughs> Remember how that whole movie was just about that? <laughs> yeah. That. <laughs> or not needing fathers, except. I, I don't know. <laughs> yep. It was a. That was the whole. That was the MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah. A father's love was the MacGuffin. Yeah. And isn't it always? 
isn't it? Yes. <laughs> the the perfunctory flop uh, plot point. Yes, yes. it is. <laughs> yeah. So this this might be my favorite ABBA song. Um, Ever? I love that there's no core. I think so, yeah. Um, which is maybe... I just really appreciate how emotional it is, but how restrained and mature it is. Um, and I think the music's beautiful. And uh, yeah, I'm really into it. Wow. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite ever, but I do like it. Say it's your favorite. No. I fucking shan't. I shan't. I refuse. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Yeah. So when all is said and done, it's goodbye to Abba. Bye-bye, Abba. Bye-bye. So are we going to do this Mama Mia thing? Well, yeah, of course we are. What do you mean? Okay, great. <laughs> uh, so that, that'll be our final send off, but just for the uh, Patreon supporters. Yep. Going to watch the movie Mama Mia. I have two bottles of wine. I don't know how many, how much I'm going to drink, but I'm going to watch it uh, and drink a bunch of wine and get real sappy, hopefully, and just just really ruminate on Pierce Brosnan's uh, chest hair. <laughs> Is there a lot of that in the movie? I've never seen it, but I have seen trailers, and I know Pierce Brosnan's in it, and I'm pretty sure he has an open shirt for most of the film. So we'll see. Oh goody! <laughs> oh goody! <laughs> The humdrum boogie. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that any uh, final thoughts on ABBA? Yeah. Um. Man, I I still feel like they're given they're you know unfairly the butt of jokes. I I don't think they deserve that. Um. The thing that's the thing that's messed up is that the songs that people know are among their best songs. Yes. So it's like, why are they made fun of for those songs? Yeah, those songs fucking rule. Yeah. Dancing Queen is great. Um, uh, what, is it, what is it called? The, the Winner Takes It All is great. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I, I think probably a lot of it has to do with the backlash against disco. Yeah. Um, and probably also just... I, don't, I have this theory that like Americans in particular, I don't know how true this is of other culture, but I have this thought that like Americans in particular generally don't know how to handle kitsch and mm. um, generally look down on it and think it's bad. Like how Rocky Horror Picture Show is famously a bad movie. Like there's this whole um, what's what's the word? There's this whole like uh, thing built Ironic up. Ironic fandom. Yeah, there's this whole thing built up about like let's go see a bad movie and throw stuff at the screen. But right. It's actually a fucking great movie. Yeah. Uh, wait, have, have you seen it? Are you one of the people who haven't? Nathan, you know you've talked about this at least two times yeah, on the show before. But I've talked you about it with this exact other same people. Rant. <laughs> wait, I've said this exact same thing about Kitsch? Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought I was just repeating myself from a conversation I had with a different person. No. See, I mean, you had... <laughs> see, my memory, the way it's structured is there's me... When I'm talking and then there's a, um, others, <laughs> well, as, as you would say in the literary biz or in the poetry biz, the interlocutor, um, <laughs> yeah, the, it's uh, a the sounding theory. board, the, the uh, to your, receiver, to your life. the receiver for my great ideas and wisdom <laughs> and delicious honey words.
Oh, yeah. And I can never tell if you're the interlocutor I'm remembering or if it's someone else because it doesn't really matter. What really matters is me and what I'm saying and how good it is. (laughs) So Uh, It's good to podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I also can't remember if, if it's like an imaginary conversation that I am remembering too because sometimes I have like extended imaginary conversations that are structured in a similar similar way with like an interlocutor whoever it is yeah yeah no i have those too um i just can't get you to shut up about a uh, rocky horror picture show i guess i'm just gonna have to watch it and it's so we can so have a final good. talk about it it's so good <laughs> i think you'd appreciate it oh i'm sure i will yeah. yeah um again it's like very kitschy um you might get some of those uh musical theater vibes that you so love um, yeah but i, I think <laughs> well, it's maybe. more like early rock and roll vibes than yeah. anything i've heard time warp yeah time warp that's such a good song hot patootie bless my soul it's a great song i just it just occurred to me the this the significance of saying let's do the time warp again <laughs> i don't know if that is played out in the in the movie at all but i like that not really i think it's mo- mostly okay. a dance move <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> I don't think there's any actual time traveling in that movie. Unless is there I'm like a looper kind of situation in Rocky Horror? I don't think so. No. I don't know. Is Bruce Willis in it? Oh, yeah. He does show up for a minute. <laughs> and a very young uh, Gordon Joseph Levitt. <laughs> Little baby. <laughs> Little baby. Um, so, yeah. The, all that to sum up ABBA. It sure did. <laughs> yeah. Best album, Voulez-vous? Really? I think. Didn't we decide that we really liked that one? Did we? But is it the best? It's Again, it's so hard to say because they're not as album-oriented. I feel like it's more um, comprehensible to talk about ABBA in terms of just individual songs. That's true. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have the best songs. What are you talking about? (sighs) Chiquitita? Does Your Mother Know is on it, which might be my favorite abba song oh yeah um the king has lost his crown which is a pretty mediocre i have a dream okay which you're is right not good yeah it, whatever like album could be a contender for their best album definitely has some like bummers or um just clunkers on it okay he, here's something that we could do with this last time let's look at i know they have best of albums uh, oh, let's look up an abba best of and see yeah. if we agree with what's on it yeah, let's do that. Let's let's try to find like a single disc album or something, so we don't have like a four disc retrospective of some is, kind. Is Abba Gold a four disc retrospective? I don't know. Look at it. It sounds oh, like yeah. it might be what we're looking for. Gold greatest hits. Let's see. So it, there's a worldwide edition. The one I'm seeing on Amazon is 19 songs long. Yeah, that's that's what I got. Okay, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, let's okay. look at that. Dancing right, Queen. Number the first one is song. Dancing Queen. Knowing I'm me, assuming knowing these me. are in order from best to worst. <laughs> are you kidding? Cheeky Tita's on this album. What? Okay, Cheeky Tita and Fernando are on it. Oh, barf. <laughs> um, One of us. I Have a Dream is on it. That's not oh, a great song, no. if I remember right. And what's Knowing um, Me, Knowing You? I don't even remember that one. Okay, so let's see. Do they have um, Take a Chance on here? Um, yes, that's the third song. Okay, they got that. Mama that's Mia. good. Lay all your love on me. Uh, they don't have when all is said and done. Do they have? Does your mother know? Yeah, yes, they have. Does yes, your mother know? Okay, so yeah, there's some good stuff on here. Half and half, I'd say. Oh man, yeah. I looked at the uh, 20th Century Masters, the Millennium Collection, Best of Ava. Ooh. Uh, 
It also has some inexplicable ones. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. SOS. Um, Chiquitita is also on here. What do... Wait, I don't was, understand how people's brains work. Wait, was John telling us that Chiquitita was like a big hit that saved the band, or was that a different song? That was me that told you that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I told you that. How dare you? Okay, was it Interlocutor that told me that, or was it Interlocutor? <laughs> Oh boy! I uh, dear. Speaking of interlocutors, listener, um, if you didn't previously know that word, now you know what that word means. Yep. <laughs> we're building your vocabulary and having fun. Uh, so are we going to decide who we're talking about next? Oh shit! Um, uh, how many al- albums does Smash Mouth have? Looking it up. Smash Mouth. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. One of them is called The Gift of Rock, but I guess that's a cover album and we don't need no, to this count is, it. No, this is uh, eight. Oh, no, there's just One an acoustic version. One of them is just an version. acoustic version of Fushy. All right, yeah, seven. And we don't have uh, to talk about The Gift of Rock because it's just a covers. Unless we want to. That might be an interesting thing. It's a Christmas album. The Gift of Rock? Yeah. What? Yeah, The Gift of Rock is a Christmas album released by Smash Mouth in December 2005. It contains mostly covers of various artists, including Louis Armstrong, Ringo Starr, The Kinks, and The Ramones. It's covers of Christmas songs. Snoopy's Christmas. (laughs) Oh, no. I I cannot believe that Smash Mouth has this many albums, and I've only heard three songs of theirs. (laughs) This is the... I think this is the perfect contender. (laughs) Okay. Let's do it. You've convinced me. And then after Smush Moth, I think we should um, do one of the ones that our listeners have submitted because they've been very good and very patient with us and submitted a lot of artists. And I don't right. think we've actually done any of them unless listeners suggested ABBA or Pink a lot Pink. of listeners actually, wanted ABBA. I yeah, think. They, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but also feel free to write in listeners um, yeah. and expand our pool of listener suggestions. And, um, you know, the the typical I mean, what we're looking for is. Um, Someone who maybe is the butt of a joke um, or is written off in some way or another. Like T-Pain was the auto-tune guy. Um, Garth Brooks um, is pop country music, which is, as a genre is sort of written off. Um, you know, Alanis Morissette was uh, the person who wrote that dumb irony song. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, artists who people typically know for one or two songs... Um, or maybe even just one album, but they have a huge body of work um, they in have comparison. A huge that body no one, yeah. of work <laughs> that uh, that d- maybe we could explore and uncover a little more about uh, who they are and why they do what they do, and whether they are deserving of their um, of the jokes made at their expense, or whether they're deserving of the praise that they have. So <laughs> the praise made at their expense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> yeah so listeners so, write in yeah write in let us know who you who you think fits that bill yeah but i personally cannot think of anyone more than smash mouth who <laughs> exemplifies that all right let's do it all right okay. well if you want to write in you can write in at email at box website you can tweet us at tote bs podcast also to submit artists if you'd like um you can support us in a couple of ways you can write us a review on itunes which is great and good for us only if it's five stars um because otherwise yeah. what's the point <laughs> honestly yeah. and if you want to give us money you can go to our patreon at support.boxset.website 
and you'll get access to our bonus episodes, including the soon to be released episode where we watch Mamma Mia. There we go yeah. again. And a weekly mini show called What's in the Box Weekly, where we just talk about things that we are into or not necessarily into, but have been on our mind lately. And we talk yeah. about our thoughts about them. And this week, what do we talk about, Cam? I talked about the Netflix original series that just came out called Maniac with starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Mm -hmm. And I talked about a little musical you might have heard of called Hamilton. Ooh, ooh, (laughs) I just thought of something. There could be a whole spate of just completely awful acapella bands called the Hamiltones. Oh, Oh man, I need to get on this. This is my latest entrepreneurship idea. Oh, I can't wait. That sounds too much like camel toe. (laughs) Are you saying that's a bad thing? (laughs) All right. Yep. So until next week where we talk about Smushmoth and their album Fush You Mang. I've been Nathan Hunt and one of us is interesting. I've been Cameron DeWitt (laughs) and I've got taste for humble pie. Oh, It's no longer insipid. (laughs) Hmm. What a great lyric. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. <laughs> Shit, I had something. God damn it. We're just less funny. We're less funny than we thought we were. Oh, man. I thought it was pretty good, too. Well. I thought some of my best jokes were just in the ways that I uh, titled these audio samples. Yeah. It's too bad that those aren't actually, uh, don't, don't really make it in the show. They, yeah. Like the motherfuckers parade in the, um, yeah. So two for the price two of the one price motherfucker one. parade. Cause it, I get it. Motherfuckers. Yeah. Cause it's going to be a menage a trois with a woman and her mother. And then I said, um, in a message to you that, uh, I let the music speak as a Danny Elfman fart. (laughs) (laughs) He would fart like that. That's what his farts sound like. (laughs) (laughs) What do they smell like? Pixie dust and sugar canes and gumdrops? Mm, Probably dead bodies. (laughs) (laughs) He is a well-known cannibal. Danny Elfman. Dead body man. I can hear that. Kind of. That's Danny Elfman singing... Oh, yeah, Uncle Bungo. Yeah. Um, and if his voice sounds familiar to you, it might be because Danny Elfman did the singing voice for Jack in Nightmare Before Christmas. Did you know that? Oh, I did know that, yes. Okay. And the uh, guy who does the speaking voice um, is Chris Sarandon, who played the, one of the bad guys in um, uh, The Princess Bride. Oh, which one? The Six Finger Prince Man? Prince Humperdinck. Oh, he's very bad. Have <laughs> an actor or a character? <laughs> <laughs> he's a bad man. Staggerly. Chris Humperdinck. Chris Sarandon was a bad man. <laughs> oh, shit. He was in Dog Day Afternoon? What? Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Do you like that movie? I think... You quote it. I think I do. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely some problematic stuff. Like the way that... Um, Wesley is ultra abusive towards Buttercup. Oh yeah, and I like about that. beats the shit out of her and gaslights her for half the movie. Yeah, um, so that's a little less Whoops. than ideal. 
<laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, boy. I remember seeing that as a kid and being like, really? So romantic. <laughs> really? <laughs> and you guys are okay with this? <laughs> this movie show your kids? <laughs> I can't tell who, uh, where, when are we going to meet the good guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we already met him. His name is Fezzik. You think he's the, the main good guy in this movie? <laughs> yeah, who else? Vizzini? Oh, yeah, he is a good guy. Vizzini's a good guy? Wait, which one's he? Vizzini is played by Wallace Shawn. Oh, I got the names mixed up. Oh, Fezzik is Andre the Giant. Yeah, he's he's good. He's a good boy. I mean, he, he does some bad things, but only because they pay him to. 